Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and as always, maybe you get tired of me saying it, but I'm glad that you have decided to spend your Saturday morning with us. Of course, if you're listening to this after Saturday morning over the internet at NewSouthernGarden.com, then... It's not Saturday. It's some other time. So we're glad you've decided to spend this hour with us in the garden, in the new Southern Garden. Because as we think, there's always something new to try, something new to grow. And it doesn't necessarily have to be brand new. Maybe it's just something that's new to you. Maybe you're going to discover some new plants that have been in the garden for hundreds of thousands of years. Well, that's no problem. It's new plants to you. So, of course, summer is amongst us. We've had some decent rainfall this week, and, of course, we've also had some hot weather. We've got the humidity, which, of course, when heat and moisture mix together, we get a wonderful solution for the growth of plant diseases like bacterial and fungal infections and so you've got to be vigilant looking out for those kinds of issues in your garden in your landscape and just be checking just be looking over the leaves every other day look over your plants walk through the garden whether it's your vegetable garden or an ornamental garden and and just look that's the first step in preventing Uh, major disease issues or insect issues for that matter we call it scouting and that's the first step looking for potential problems because if you're not looking for potential problems well your plants may become overtaken some disease or insect may become so far out of hand that anything you try to do at that point, it's just too far gone. So, of course, with the weather we've been having, we need to be vigilant. We need to be showing our plants some love just by observing them in, uh, from time to time, a few times a week. And I believe that if we show our plants some love, then they will return the favor. And that's sort of what we're going to talk about today. So, of course, there is one unusual aspect to plants characteristics that plants have and we can use it as gardeners to our advantage especially thrifty gardeners thrifty gardeners or cheap gardeners (laughs) can use the fact that plants can generate new plants from any portion of the plant all on its own we can use that fact to our advantage 
So, of course, what I mean is, you know, we can take a trimming, a cutting off of a branch of, of most any plant, and we can stick it in some soil, sometimes in water. We're going to talk about some different options today. And in a few short weeks, just like magic, <laughs> but it's biology, in a few short weeks, you've got a plant with roots. Because rem remember, um, a cutting is not really a plant, right? If we remove a branch, a portion of a branch from a plant, well, that, of course, is, is just a, a cutting. Because a, a real plant has roots and shoots and leaves and all those things all together. But a fresh cutting is just waiting. It's waiting to generate roots so that it might thrive and live and continue uh, its life here on this earth. But like I said, we can make cuttings. We can also take, um, well, cuttings from branches, but we can also take cuttings from root systems. And many plants, not all of them, tend to root by a root cutting, but some of them do. And also some plants, particularly those in kind of the houseplant world and tropical world, you can take a cutting of the leaf. You can take a segment of the leaf and induce that leaf to produce new roots and new shoots and new leaves. And you've got a new plant. There's a lot of other ways. Of course, you can take the root system of one plant and you can graft the portion on top from another plant and you've got a grafted plant. There are so many strange and unusual ways that we can propagate plants uh, that you can use to your benefit and use to, to your uh, expansion of your garden. And again, it's all done very cheaply. If you want to use the word for free, well, you can. But it may take a little bit of soil, a little bit of uh, containers, a little bit of plastic, a little bit of spray water, and maybe some rooting hormone. Very cheap things you can purchase, uh, but it does take some time. So I don't know if I'll say that you can have plants for free or not, but for very, very, very cheap. And it's a fun experience. It's a fun experience for you to do yourself or to bring in with some other family members, maybe some children who probably don't realize, they may not even realize, that plants can start new plants just by removing a portion of its branch. So we're mainly going to talk about uh, cuttings today and ways that we can take our favorite shrubs and make more of them, make some babies. Because recently, a client of mine, uh, of course, you can find me throughout the week at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, a client but also a friend, uh, gave me some some young plants of gardenias. Now, these gardenias she had started from cuttings about this time of year, last year. Now, those babies have three or four stems each, and they are just under a foot tall. And just in one season, she was able to, well, one year, I should say, in one year, she was able to make the cutting, uh, produce roots on it, pot it up into a bigger container, and now we have essentially almost a foot tall shrub in just one year's time. And so just think that if you do a little bit of 
uh, propagation, that's the word we're talking about here. Propagation means to make more of something. And so if we're going to make more of our gardenias or make more of our hydrangeas or make more of our azaleas or camellias or whatever kinds of shrubs you have, then in a year's time, you will have a cute, small, brand new shrub that you can add to your landscape. And now is a great time to get started with propagating plants because, uh, particularly cuttings, because the wood on the plant uh, right now in July is going to be somewhere between a green and a brown. And when you bend your branches, you will find that they snap. Okay, uh, in the spring, the new growth is very flexible. It's so flexible, as a matter of fact, that if you bend it, you can warp it into a hoop. You can't without it breaking. But now we're getting into this wood uh, that we call semi-ripe, maybe semi-green. It's not quite softwood, and it's not quite hardwood yet. But this is still vibrant green transitioning near the base to a brown woody color. But when you snap or bend this wood, it will snap. Now, that is a, is a nice wood to use. Uh, it does have rigidity, and of course, uh, it's got a lot of activity. Uh, there's a lot of nutrition in the leaves that are going, or in that kind of stem and leaf that is going to help aid in producing these root systems. There's some hormones as well, and we're going to talk a bit about what you need to know as far as plant hormones go. Yes, plants have hormones just like humans. That signal, that signal certain activities to occur within plants. And different hormones, of course, trigger different types of activities, different types of growth. And so it's very important to know what essential hormones we will need to use or be aware of that are that are going on and moving about inside of the plant during this propagation process. But there are some other tips and techniques that we need to go over. And so we've got a big show. Uh, we, we may uh, have some time for some, some other ideas. But I did want to get propagating plants from cuttings on your radar today. Particularly because this time of year, July, is an ideal time to take some cuttings from some of your favorite shrubs. Now, I did, I'll say that I took some cuttings from hydrangeas earlier in the spring, uh, probably sometime in May, okay? Now, I shouldn't say early spring, but earlier this year, sometime in May. And those hydrangeas were uh, just put out some new fresh growth on the tips. As a matter of fact, there was probably only a few inches, maybe two or three that I could have made cuttings from. Well, here we are several weeks later, and a lot of those cuttings, those original cuttings that I made back in the earlier uh, part of the year, they just did not survive. They did not make it. Because you see, folks, once you take a cutting off of a mother plant, if you will, we'll call her the mother, once you've made a cutting off of a mother plant, well, that portion of the plant begins to, to die, essentially. Because you've removed it from its very vital root system, which is a source that water and nutrients are pulled into. Well, without roots, that foliage can't really bring more water into the plant. And remember, to make matters worse, if you will, uh, the leaves on the plant are almost constantly releasing water. So water is coming out of the leaves through these tiny uh, pores underneath the leaf that are called stomata, and the moisture is wicking out into the air as water vapor. 
And that is what happened. That is what happened to these very young cuttings that I made back in the spring. So it, you can, with you know, new fresh growth, that green wood that spring produces, you can produce cuttings uh, and plants from those cuttings, but you're battling uh, the very fast growth that that new wood is undergoing. It's growing so much, it's using a lot of water, uh, in particular, and of course, without roots, those cuttings tend to dry out very quickly. But by taking cuttings this time of year, the wood is a bit more hardened. It's hardened off, if you will. It's a bit more, um, uh, it's just growing a little slower now, so it's not demanding so much water. And I think that if you do most of your uh uh, cuttings this time of year you're going to find success and you'll have uh, plenty more plants to plant and put into your landscape you didn't even have to, to to go to the nursery now of course I guess I'm sort of giving my oh uh, I'm giving the nursery uh, tips away my secrets if you will but that's okay because this is what gardening is all about propagation we've been doing it for thousands of thousands of years and this is what the nurseries do but if you've got the time and patience and energy uh, then I think you'll enjoy it now another reason that we may want to propagate some of these plants is particularly particularly because when we go into the plant nursery we may be looking for a certain type of plant or say you have a certain type of plant in your landscape and you do want to match it up. You want to find the same color, the same height, the same flower form, the same shape of leaf, whatever. But that was 20 years ago when you bought that plant, right? Let's say you've got a plant in your landscape. It's been there a long time. You can't find it anywhere else. You can't find it at the nurseries. You can't find it at the garden centers. So what are you going to do to match it up? Well, you can propagate it from your mother plant, from that plant that is in the ground, and you can add that exact same identical plant rather than having to sort of mix, uh, mismatch with some new modern variety. You can plant the plant that you, or grow the plant that you have already had growing in your landscape forever. Now, of course, if a friend or a relative comes over to your place, and they remark about how lovely your whatever kind of gardenia is. Or they remark, I need to get me one of those pink hydrangeas you had because it's so beautiful. Well, if you've had that plant in the ground for any amount of time, it may be quite difficult to find that exact kind. But you could either give them a cutting, let them root it themselves, or you might root it yourself and give it to them as a gift. What a great birthday gift than to give them a plant that uh, you made from a plant in your garden that they made some nice remark about. Well, regardless, we're going to talk about making more plants from your plants as soon as we get back from this quick break. So hang on tight, gang. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and 
growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. <laughs> at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together. Gang, well, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about making more plants from the plants you already have. You know this, you know, just like I know, that plants, uh, the ones that produce flowers, well, they produce fruits that produce seeds. And whether we're talking about vegetable plants, whether we're talking about roses, most all plants are going to find a way to produce seeds and propagate themselves, grow themselves year after year and spread their genetics around the world. But plants don't just grow from seeds. Plants aren't just like people. Uh, plants can actually have portions of their body, if you will, removed and force it to produce a new root system, thus giving you a new plant. Now, I will say that even though we're talking today about making plants from cuttings, not every plant, okay, readily makes roots from a cutting. There's actually something in horticulture we call a propagation protocol, and it's where research has showed us what's the best way to produce uh, plants from certain parts of their body, right? Whether it's a root cutting, a stem cutting, a branch cutting, uh, grafting, layering, whatever technique we need to use on a certain plant to ensure that we get uh, or have success. Let me give you an example. So Japanese maples are beautiful plants, and you may have one or two, or you may have a collection in your landscape. But Japanese maples don't actually root readily from a cutting. So we can make cuttings, but we may not actually get roots to form, and the uh, plant just shrivels, uh, or the cutting just shrivels up and dies. So no success. But what we do find with Japanese maples is that they actually produce quite well by grafting. Now, grafting is a bit more laborious than making cuttings, and it's a longer process. Because in order to graft, you've got to take a seed from the Japanese maple mother or any Japanese maple mother. You've got to grow it out for a couple of years so that you get this tiny, tiny little whip. And then you're going to cut off the top and then go make a cutting from your desirable Japanese maple and graft it onto that rootstock that you've been growing for two or three years. So grafting is a bit intense, and we can talk more about that, but something you can do today, something that's easy and simple that you can do today is make some cuttings. Go into your landscape, make some cuttings. So again, we're going to talk about some steps that you can go through and, and uh, the timing of it all and what process you need to follow to ensure that you have a wonderful new plant from a cutting. 
So, of course, the very first thing we want to think about is to uh, go into the landscape, look for that growth that we've already described, the growth near the tips, right? We need to look for four to six inches of new growth. We're going to do some tip cuttings. So we're going to go to the tips of the plant and trace our way down four to six inches below the tip and make a cut. Now, again, that would, at this point in the year, uh, sort of middle of summer, middle of the year, we'll say, at this point in the year, that wood should be somewhat flexible and you can bend it, but it doesn't, but it, it snaps when you do try to bend it. This is what we call semi-ripe or semi, uh, semi, semi-hard, semi-hard wood. Now, there are different types of cuttings you can make if you do them in the early spring, as I did and, and told you about before the break. It's very soft wood or very green wood, and that wood is going to bend without snapping but at this point in the game we should be semi-ripe we're not very hard yet the hardwood cuttings come much later it's going to come as as uh, as the summer ends and into fall and winter and you can make cuttings uh at that time of year but i will say at this time of year the semi-ripe or semi-hard cuttings those are going to root very readily and need very little input from you so, we go down that stem, we pick out the, the, the stem we want to work with, and we make a snip or a cut about four to six inches below the tip. Now, it is ideal to make the cut right past a node. Now, a node is those little notches on plants, uh, where the leaves rest or where the buds rest. So, some nodes are opposite each other on either side of the branch, and some nodes are alternate each other. You may like camellia. You have one bud on the left go up, one bud on the right go up, one bud on the left, kind of like a, uh, a ladder sort of. <laughs> but uh, some like uh, hydrangeas. Hydrangeas, just to talk about some things that we all know pretty well, they have nodes that oppose each other or buds that oppose each other. So regardless of whether you have an alternate pattern or an opposite pattern on that stem, make your snip just below that bud, and I'll tell you why. Here's one of the first secrets. It is more likely that roots are going to be stimulated to grow near or at a bud. And so if you put a long internode, which is just the stem itself with no bud, if you put that below the soil, that may just rot. That portion of the plant may not be readily uh, rootable. It may not produce roots very readily. And so by clipping and trimming your cutting, your cutting away from the mother plant at right below a bud, then you have higher success uh, rates for roots to be uh, stimulated to grow from that point. So one of the very first steps, super important, is to know where to trim or what to cut, where to remove your cutting from the mother plant. That's one of the very first important things to, uh, to secure your success with this cutting. Now, the next thing you want to do, the next, let's, let's call it a, uh, a, a secret. The next secret that we want to give is that you need to make one more cut. If you're making cuttings from the tip of a branch, you need to make one more cut before you're ready to stick this into some soil. The next thing you want to do is to take your pruning shears and find the very tip of the plant, the top bud. We call it the uh, um, apical 
uh, apical meristem. Right there at the top, you'll see a bud at the very tip. Now, you don't have to remove much of that that, that tip, you just have to remove that bud. So you may take out the first set of leaves or so, but you want to remove the bud. And I want to start to tell you why. Because in the tip, there is a vital hormone that plants use. It's called auxin. A-U-X-I-N, auxin. Now, most of the auxin in the plant is concentrated in the tip of that that bud or the, the tip bud. And the reason is because one of oxen's roles is to grow vertically. Okay, so uh, oxen tells the plant to grow into the air, but oxen also tells the plant to grow roots downwards. So in order for us to signal to the plant that we need it and we want it to grow roots if we remove the tip, remove the apical meristem, that apical bud, just pinch that out or clip it back, then that will send the oxen that the plant makes down into the stem rather than at the tip. And by having oxen down the, the stem and, and around those lower nodes, that is going to signal to the plant that it needs to generate roots. It's a simple activity you can do simple action just a clip or a snip or a pinch out of that tip bud and you can do that with any cutting that you make whether it's hydrangea or camellia as a matter of fact i would recommend that any cutting you make off of a branch go ahead and clip that tip out because like i said you want to stimulate roots along the branch and by putting oxen along the branch forcing it out of the tip of the plant, pushing it down into the lower parts of your cutting, that is going to help you immensely. It's going to help signal to the plant that it's time to stop growing vertically and it's time to start growing some brand new roots. Because again, folks, when we're making cuttings, we are working against time. Time is not our friend. We're having to make sure the plant doesn't dry out, but that it produces roots. Now, talking about oxen, you, we're going to talk about another trick or, or, or secret that you need to know to use some oxen you can buy at the garden center that you can buy at the box stores. You can buy oxen in a little can, and it's going to help you have greater success. And I'll tell you what to get and how to use it when we get back from this break. Hang on tight, gang. Stories Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, welcome back to the second half of the New Southern Garden Show this morning here on WRWH 93.9 FM. Of course, this is your hometown radio. We are in Cleveland, Georgia, the foothills of Blue Ridge Mountains, a beautiful place to be living, but I would say even a more beautiful place to grow a garden. And on today's program, we have been talking about not just growing a garden, but maybe expanding your garden by propagating your own plants. Now, today we're particularly talking about 
propagating plants from cuttings. Because of course, one way to propagate plants is by sowing their seed. Every year, uh, most plants produce some kind of seed and you can save that seed and grow more plants, whether it be from your vegetable garden or your perennial border, or even many shrubs grow, uh, produce seeds by the end of the summer. And you can harvest those seeds, collect them, and plant them. But when you propagate plants from seeds, you get a lot of genetic diversity. Some people tell me they save their seeds uh, from, say, some kind of uh, pink, pink flowering plant. And then they say, but you know, when I plant them the next year, those seeds, they weren't pink flowers. Those seeds uh, that turned into plants, they, they had white flowers. And, and some had little f paint, uh, faint yellow flowers. And some had dark red, burgundy flowers. And I said, it doesn't surprise me. Because seeds are the children of plants, right? They're like your children. And, and you know, your children don't look exactly like you. Some of them look more like the father. Some of them look more like the mother. Some look like an equal blend of each. Some may even look like grandma, and some may look like grandpa, and some may look like their aunt from two generations ago. <laughs> There's a lot of genetic diversity. But whenever we make, propagate, I should say, whenever we propagate plants from cuttings, we are undergoing a form of propagation we call asexual. That means we didn't need the seeds to produce these plants. Those plants are, guess what? <laughs> plants that are produced from cuttings are essentially clones of that mother plant. Whichever plant those cuttings came off of, these new babies should exhibit every every characteristic of its mother because they are genetic clones essentially that's right folks i know that you know we've, we've heard about clones and news and science and whatnot from from the past several decades but we've been cloning plants for thousands of years and plants will clone themselves in nature they may sort of fall over and a branch uh touches the ground and if that branch starts to generate roots, you've got a brand new plant. It's a clone. It's, an, it's a plant different from the mother, but it's going to look the same as the mother. So what we're trying to do is to clone our plants so that we get the same exact color flowers, the same shape of leaf, the same size of plant, so that we know what to anticipate uh, from those precious angels that we're propagating. <laughs> angels. Uh, so, we've already talked about removing your cutting from the branch, from the mother branch, and we told you where, right below a node, is very important. And then you take those same pruning shears that you severed it from the plant with, and you just clip out the tip. You may even be able to use your fingers to pinch the tip out. Pinch out the tip because the tip is uh, holding on to a lot of plant hormone that we call auxin. And that auxin, once it's removed from the tip, when it's generated, it will be, or when it's produced by the plant, it'll be placed along the stems and it'll be placed down uh, to those other lower nodes, lower buds that then will generate uh, roots. Now at this point, at this point, you may try to wound your plant wound your cutting uh, 
So down near the base of the plant, you can remove and strip away the lower sets of leaves. We do want to leave at least two or three leaves on top of the uh, cutting. But at the base, we're going to put that base of the cutting into some soil. So we want to remove some lower leaves. Now, by removing those leaves, you are wounding your plant, wounding your cutting, because those leaves were held on very securely to the plant, but once you remove the leaves, then you produce a little uh, leaf stem wound right there. Sometimes you may even, sometimes I actually cut the leaf away from the plant, and that produces a wound. But there's something to say about wounding a plant. Simply say you do have to scar it. You do want to scar it. You do want to uh, damage it. it. It is true that when a plant is wound and it tries to heal, it produces this material called callus. And callus is just, it's kind of like a scar, right? But it's trying to cover the soft tissues that have been wounded. And it's that callus that will generate roots. So we do need some callus to be formed. But the trouble, folks, is that if we wound our stem too heavily, then that wound may rot before it produces callus. So we've got to be careful with wounding. Some plants uh, benefit from wounding when other plants, they don't necessarily even need any wounding. And so it may be beneficial. Again, earlier in the program, I mentioned uh, propagation protocols. Do some research online or check out some books and see what the protocol would be for a specific kind of plant. Should you wound the stem before you stick it into some soil or should you not? But I will say that by removing the plant from the mother, you've already produced one wound. And then by removing the leaves from the lower half of your cutting, you've produced some wounds there. But we do want those those wounds to heal with that callus material, which is like scar. And that, that callus will then generate the type of cells that produce root cells. And boom, once you get your callus, you're on your way. You are on your way to success with your plants. So wounding is, uh, can be essential for some, just to summarize, but for some other plants, wounding may not be essential. But what it doesn't hurt to do is to use a rooting hormone. Now, before we left for the break, I did mention uh, that we would talk about buying oxen, the, the uh, plant hormone that stimulates root development. We can buy it in a can. That's what the rooting powder, the rooting powder that you go uh, see at the nursery or, you know, garden centers or uh, even box stores, hardware stores, those little cans of white powder, sometimes it's, it's in a liquid form as well. But regardless, that white powder is a synthetic oxen, okay? It, it is a chemical. It is, uh, I mean, everything's a chemical after all. But it mimics oxen that naturally occurs in the plant. And what it's intended to do is to signal to the plant that it is time for it to generate some roots. Now remember, we've already removed the tip of the plant, and that starts making uh, the plant produce oxygen along the uh, along that cutting, all the way down to the base. But what you can do with your powder is take your cutting. If you've wounded your plant or not, just dip it into and swirl it around just a bit. You don't have to cover the plant like you would 
powder a baby's bottom after it's been well diapered. <laughs> All you have to do is just powder a, a couple of the nodes, a couple of those buds along the lower stem. And by doing that, you are increasing your chance for success in rooting uh, this stem, forcing this stem to produce roots. You're increasing your success dramatically because now this powder or liquid oxen, if you will, is surrounding the, the stem and it's signaling, going to help to signal to the plant that it's time to produce those sweet life-giving roots that that cutting needs to become a plant. So that's like, I, I don't know, I've lost track, maybe uh, secret number four or five. We've, we've removed the plant from the right spot. We've removed the tip of the cutting so that oxen can travel along the stem. And then, of course, we did maybe a little wounding and removal of leaves. And then I guess we are up to number four, aren't we? So n number four, of course, is to use some rooting powder, rooting hormone uh, along the stem of your cutting so that so that you are going to signal to the plant that, or signal to the cutting rather, that it needs to become a plant and make those roots. Now, let's go into the next tip, all right, because this can be a uh, point for potential failure or point for potential success. Because the next step, of course, now that we've essentially prepared the cutting, We've gone through the process of preparing the cutting. Now we need to take that cutting and what and do what we call stick it. We need to stick the cutting. Sticking the cutting into a lightweight media that is going to drain well and not hold on to a lot of water. And let me tell you why. Because remember, these are just cuttings, okay? We don't have to surround these cuttings in or saturate them in water because there's no roots. And when a stem has these wounds... Because again, we've severed it from the plant. We've ripped off the leaves. When a stem doesn't have roots and it has wounds, you increase the chance of that stem to rot, essentially, or uh, you know have some kind of bacterial fungal infection that just takes over and kills it by surrounding that wound, that cutting, in water or wet soil. So we want to make sure that whatever we use definitely drains well but maybe doesn't even hold on to that much water, okay? Because, um, well, let me just take it back. You, because, again, your, your cutting is not going to pull in really any water without roots. And you don't necessarily have to water this cutting until the roots are formed. It makes sense, right? So we don't want this cutting to rot. And I will say that those cuttings that I made this spring, the, the, the soil that I stuck them in was not the best, Okay, it was not very free draining. It would have been, it's perfect soil for something that has roots. But these cuttings did not have roots, and I think part of my problem was they dried out too fast, but most of them probably stayed too wet around the stem, that wounded stem, and they succumbed to rot, and they just died. Not all of them did, but a lot of them did, definitely probably over 50%. <laughs> so I'm sharing with you some failures because I want you to be successful. So don't do what I did. Use a lightweight media. You can actually root most plants in 100% sand. Remember that those characteristics of sand. The particles of sand are very large. Water does not hold on to sand very well. So even a wet sand is actually quite dry. 
Now, you can use really any kind of sand. If you wanted to use straight sand, it gets kind of heavy after a while. Uh, but if you have little containers that you're pouring your media into, it won't be much weight. Uh, you, you can use either play sand or probably what's even be better would be like coarse builder sand, something that's quite gritty. Because we want to keep some moisture around the stem, but we actually don't want to keep too much. And once the roots start growing, they will grow into the sand just like they would soil. But remember, they're not going to be in this media for very long. We just want to keep them in this media until they do get roots on them. Now, the next uh, type of media you might use is something like perlite. Perlite are those little white balls that you find in potting soil. You can buy that straight in small or large portions, depending on where you find it. Some garden centers may carry it in little bags, maybe up to a, a few pounds because it's very lightweight. It, it holds on to some moisture like sand, but it drains very well. And you can root your cuttings in 100% perlite if you like. But really, a well-draining, free-draining potting mix that you buy at the garden centers should be just fine. If it's something like cactus soil, cacti soil, it probably has some vermiculite and perlite, very lightweight, very free draining. Remember, step five in this, in this process of making your cutting is don't let your stem rot. So you got to be sure that what you stick it in is lightweight, free draining, doesn't hold on to a lot of moisture. When we get back, the final secrets to producing a cutting from a plant and turn it into a new one. Hang on tight. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, we're in the final stretch here for today's program and the final uh, few secrets, the final few secrets to producing a plant from a cutting. We've already talked about where to cut the plant, how to remove the tip so that you get a better chance of roots to form using some or maybe wounding techniques and also using plant hormone to your advantage. And before the break, of course, we were talking about the type of soil that you choose to use, or we won't call it soil, we'll call it media, right? Because it's not really soil. We're not going out into the garden and using that kind of soil. We are going to use something like sand or perlite or a mix of sand and perlite with maybe some, maybe like a 50-50 perlite peat moss blend or something like that. Because we want this soil that we're going to stick our cuttings into we want it to drain well and not hold on to too much moisture because, again, those fresh wounds and the fresh cuts you've made on that cutting, that little piece of stem, 
they can rot. They can become infected, just like like uh, your arm. If you had a cutting, if if you had a cut on your arm and it never healed, well, you may uh, have a disease or an infection that crawls in. Heaven forbid. We don't want that to happen on our cuttings, right? Well, I do want to remind you that we've given you a number of, or if you're just joining the program, I should remind you or let you know that we are giving you a number of secrets to producing a plant from a cutting this morning. And if you've missed any of them, of course, you should check out uh, NewSouthernGarden.com. I got to get out the right place. NewSouthernGarden.com because this show and every show we've ever had are posted there for you to listen to. Uh, after we air here on Saturday mornings, we throw it on the cloud. We throw it on the cloud on NewSouthernGarden.com. It's on, we're on all the podcasting apps, on the TuneIn app, which you can listen to all your shows here, WRWH. All you need is an internet connection, and you can listen to New Southern Garden and the rest of the wonderful programming on this station on the TuneIn app. But, of course, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, and I do want to let you know that by the end of the month, we should be answering your questions once again. We try to have our Q&A session uh, or episode or show at the end of the month, and so that's where everybody who's listening has sent in their questions to me so we can help answer you. It's your questions, our answers, so that you can find success in your landscape. Send us a question at NewSouthernGarden.com. Send us a question on Instagram or Facebook, wherever uh, you want to find us. We should be there. We should be there, and we'll be glad to help you, but also make you be a part or have you be a part of our show. We love it because you already are a very uh, important, and essential uh, person on this show by listening. Now, the final few steps that we need to take before we head out for the day are going to be, now that we've taken our cutting and we've inserted it into this lightweight, um, free-draining, not-too-wet media, it's going to sit there for several weeks trying to produce roots, begin that process of creating callus that then turns into roots. But remember, in those few weeks where there are no roots on your cutting, that cutting is not going, is not going to be able to put more water into its system. The water that it had when you made the cutting is the most water it will ever have until it starts producing roots. So one thing we know about plants is that inside of the plants, inside the plant cells, it's 100% humidity. It's 100% humidity. It's completely, those cells are full of moisture, right? But outside of the plant, in the atmosphere, you know, it's not usually 100% humidity by any means. It may be 60% humidity, 30% humidity, 40% humidity. It can change by the hour, by the day, by the week, by the month, by the year. So humidity is always changing. But inside the plant is 100% humidity. Now, what we know about water is that water moves from areas of high concentration into areas of low concentration. So what this means is that the water inside of the plant, it's at 100% humidity. That's highly concentrated water, 100%. Then the surrounding atmosphere, if it's 60%, well, that's lower concentration of water. So the water will move out of, 
It will move out of the leaf and into the atmosphere, and it's gone forever, never to return to your cutting. And that is why some of my cuttings died earlier this year, because I did not create a... Uh, an extra humid environment around them. You see, folks, if we surround that cutting, not necessarily the root, not ne- sorry, not necessarily the buried stem, but if we surround the leaves with extra moisture, then we are creating a more humid environment. And anytime we can raise the atmospheric humidity around the cutting leaves, uh, to closer to 100, then we have less water flow out of the plant. That means that your cutting will last longer and make it for a longer period of time before it dries out. Because the ideal situation is to surround that leaf with a plenty of moisture until the roots form, and then you can back off on the humidity. So we've got to figure out some way now that we've stuck our cutting into the soil or soilless media, we've got to figure out some way to increase the humidity. Well, there's some simple ways that you can do it. Now, on a large scale in a, in a plant nursery where their uh, propagation is going on heavily, they have you know, systems that are controlling and and they have electronics that are moving and they have moisture that is spraying in the air that's controlled by a computer or timer can be complex. But for you, just creating or or, or making a few cuttings in the windowsill or on the back deck or patio, there are some easy ways that you can achieve this. And one of these easy ways is to surround your uh, leaf the leaves on your cuttings with plastic somehow. You can, if you have a single pot, if you have a single pot, you can surround that plant with something like a Ziploc bag, right? Just uh, drape it over the top of your cutting. Or you can use some saran wrap and and sort of maybe make a tent uh, trying to keep plastic over the top of it, but not allowing, uh, allowing gas to exchange, right? So you want air to become, you don't want it, you don't want it like your uh, Tupperware. You want that tight. You want that airtight. But around a plant, you want it to have some oxygen exchange. Or if you have a grouping of plants or a bigger container, you can use something like a almost semi-clear, translucent uh, Tupperware. You know, you can buy those for $5 maybe at the dollar store or the big lots. I know they sell them. But you can use that. Just turn it over on top of your uh, plant and your pots there, and that will trap humidity. And another way, of course, is to use a spray bottle. You can either use a uh, just a fine mist spray bottle, and you can mist the leaves several times a day, keeping it in sort of a semi-shade situation. We rarely would want to put these cuttings in bright, direct sunlight because they will dry out big time there. But if we put them underneath a tree in the backyard, it's a perfect situation, or on the eastern side of the house, or north northern side of the house is ideal somewhere where they can get some light because they do need light they're still trying to grow they need light to produce these roots but they don't need too much heat and light that they get sucked out of moisture and they just shrivel up and die well gang today we have given you five or six secrets on producing new plants from cuttings hope you can take those into the landscape and make a beautiful plant uh grow a beautiful plant that's going to create a beautiful garden i'm glad that you've joined me here for new southern garden today on wrwh 93.9 fm out of cleveland georgia and i hope you come back next week So for New Southern Garden, I'm Nathan Wilson, hoping you stay well and grow well. See you next time.
Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.